And hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's weekly Yes And podcast, The Weekly Yap. I'm Travis Thomas, the creator of Live Yes And and the host of The Weekly Yap. Well, hopefully everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. More importantly, I hope you guys had a wonderful Rack Friday. And uh, I'm going to be putting together a special Rack Friday podcast to share some really inspiring stories of what people did on Rack Friday to spread the love, to spread the random acts of kindness, and uh, just how transformational that is for uh, for a lot of people in communities, and I know it's, it's it's transformational for myself as well. So that special podcast is coming up soon, but today we're getting right back into the heart of what Live Yes And is all about, and I am interviewing my guest today. We're going to have a lot of fun. I don't have any questions prepped. I don't think I need to uh, because Trevor Reagan is the creator of Train Ugly, trainugly.com. And uh, Trevor is an entrepreneur who started a sushi restaurant with three friends. Uh, he was a, uh, a student manager uh, at Duke uh, under Coach, uh, Coach K, and he's the founder of Train Ugly. He is all about growth mindset. He is all about helping peak performance athletes, individuals, companies uh, really find that sweet spot, how to perform at a high level. He's got amazing videos out there, a ton of followers, and uh, really excited to, to talk to him today and just dive into what he has discovered from his experience and, uh, and, and what his, his vision is for how to share this message to young athletes and to get that word out there. And just from his experiences uh, living around the world, starting companies, being a, a high-level athlete, and now working with high-level athletes, what are the tips he has for the rest of us? So please help me welcome to this week's Weekly Yap, Trevor Reagan. All right, Trevor, welcome to the Weekly Yap. How are we doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on. And uh, I, I said in the intro that I've, uh, I've wanted to get you on the weekly app for a while now. Uh, again, mic issues got in the way last time, um, but uh, <laughs> we're not letting resistance uh, stay in the way of, of getting this done. Um, and, uh, and I know you have a, you have a slammed December in, in front of you. So thanks so much for taking the time uh, to jump on today. No worries. I'm excited about it. Well, cool. Trevor, I know you and I could talk uh, for hours. We don't have hours, but let's get into it. So Train Ugly, tell everyone um, what Train Ugly is all about and, uh, and and your inspiration from where it came from. Um, okay, so Train Ugly is a website, and the the intent and the reason that I made it was to share uh, and discover sort of like the research and science that supports great learning. And so essentially what it is is a place for me to share all the interesting things that I'm learning in this journey to learn about learning, I guess. And so uh, it, it's kind of a blog, but I, I would say it may be a bit more because uh, of the videos that we produce. And it, it's just really like uh, we try to launch something like once a week, I guess, in the form of content. And the aim is to create tools and information for uh, teachers and coaches and athletes and students to kind of digest, to help them better understand learning. And so that's what Trainably is. It's just a platform to share. Um, 
And how would you describe uh, sort of the, uh, the the content or the message? Uh, we've got we've got growth mindset in there. We've got positive psychology. How would you describe yeah. it? Um, there's lots of things that fall under the umbrella of creating great learners, and I would say growth mindset. Uh, maybe lays the foundation, but we're pulling from lots of different sources. So you'll find uh, patterns from philosophy. You'll see uh, we like to draw from like Brene Brown's research on vulnerability. And so we we connect these dots under the umbrella of creating great learners. And so I, I think the two big principles that we try to hammer home under the learning side of things is first, we have to believe in our capacity to grow. Like that is the essence of a growth mindset. And so our content is always focused on encouraging people to believe that they can learn. And that's like step one of becoming a great learner is first believing that you can do it. And then I think the second category that we really focus on a lot is showing people how learning works, helping them understand that to learn something there's a lot of struggle involved in that process and you're going to be bad first and just kind of showing them the nuts and bolts of learning. So they're a little more apt to make the mistakes and experience the struggle and not, not shy away from that in their pursuit to, to learn. So two things you can learn second, how learning works. Okay. And I would say those are the two ideas that we try to push with everything that we make. And it's amazing, too. It's, I know when you and I spoke sort of offline uh, a few weeks ago, so just that idea, that, that first concept that you mentioned that, you know, that we can learn, it's, it's amazing that we sort of are where we are today, where, where most of us and society still has driven in that direction, that kind of it still sort of reinforces that fixed mindset most of the time. Oh, totally. Uh, I would say there are two major hurdles to learning. And the first is uh, those stories, or we call them limiting beliefs that people have. And so limiting beliefs can come in all shapes and sizes. It could be, uh, I am not creative. That's a limiting belief. Or I'm not a math person, or I'm not good with people, or I can't shoot, or I can't draw, whatever you like, the, the examples are everywhere. But what, what you look at and see is as soon as you adopt that story or limiting belief, it's going to be really hard for you to actually get good at that thing. So if I tell myself I'm not a math person, I essentially become not a math person. Right. So these, these stories are self-fulfilling. And so if we're looking at things that uh, make learning more difficult than it needs to be, first it's these stories. And we we tell ourselves these stories, but we also hear these stories from society. We hear these stories from our teachers, from our parents, from our coaches. And what happens is these limiting beliefs and these stories essentially rob us of the reps and experiences that could actually help us learn. So by saying I'm not a math person, in the long run, I'm robbing myself of the reps and experiences that would actually help me get good at math. And so these stories are very destructive. And we all have these things. Right. We've all told ourselves these things. And so uh, that's the, I think, first and biggest hurdle of learning. And growth mindset is the direct like combat to that. So rather than telling these stories about what we can and can't do, if we adopt a growth mindset and understand that skills are built, not born, that we are actually in control of our skill set, 
that's a more empower that's like a more empowering belief system of i can learn things and then obviously you have to do the work and earn the skill but step one is to replace that story with essentially what the science is telling us the science is telling us this if you have a brain you have all the tools you need to get good at pretty much anything. Yeah. I'm not saying anyone can do anything, but I will go to bat on. I will fight for the fact that people, pretty much anyone can learn and get good at anything. And that's what we need to kind of adopt as our, uh, as our mindset. I love I love that skills are built, not born. Uh, that, that's fantastic, uh, and it's funny as as you talk about these limiting ideas we have of ourselves. You know, I can I can pick out two or three right now that I I, I have battled with for a, you know a, a majority portion of my life, from math being one of them to having a bad math experience and carrying that into adulthood. Um, my ability or lack thereof of singing similarly, right. uh, f- feedback as a child that I, I carried with heck, heck, it was, it was part of the reason I didn't get cast in a show as an improviser, you know, years down the road was because of my, my unbelief in my singing ability. And so, right. uh, and, and the funny part is, so like if uh, that's a very common story, I can't sing. And so someone tells you that, and then you just say, well, how often do you practice? Right. Well, I don't, because I can't. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. I wonder, uh, like, a, a fact of learning, like, one truth of learning is it's you can't get good at something by not doing it. And so, like, that's the answer right there. Yeah, I can't sing. Well, how, how often do you sing? I don't. How often do you draw? I don't. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's why. <laughs> right, right, right. You might have had that one bad experience, but then you just reinforce it by never trying again. Exactly. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, that second point, you, you mentioned that it's going to be a struggle, and I think that's another area, you know, with, um, with how we sort of, uh, train or educate that we don't embrace this idea that that the learning is actually going to be a struggle. Um, there's uh, you, you get online, you watch all these great you know trick shot videos with you know um, uh, and you I always wonder how many takes did it take you know to, to get that right. shot right. And there's a great video I, I saw featured on ESPN and I looked it up uh, and I've showed it to uh, the the soccer players from a growth mindset perspective. It's called the Hat Trick Boys. And it's these, uh, looks like these, you know, three or four teenagers, they do tricks with, like, baseball hats. Um, uh, But the cool thing is, is that at the end of the video, the guy comes on and he goes, making these videos are really hard. Let me show you the outtakes. And he said it took them 78 hours to make a minute and 20 video. And he showed the outtakes from one trick. It took them five hours to do this one trick, 916 takes. I love it. Nine hundred. Yeah, that, that is so important, and I wish more people would do that because oftentimes we just see the finished product where they did the trick, and you see this in every sport: the trick shots, the, these crazy skills. And what happens when you just see that? You kind of tell yourself the story of like, "Wow." that person is so skilled, I could never do that. When the truth is, no, that took them like hours and hours and hours and weeks and months of practice. And if you did the same amount of practice, you could do this exact same skill. And so oftentimes when we don't see that, what's going on behind the scenes, behind the Mm -hmm. curtain, it's, it's one source of these stories of like, wow, that person's so lucky, they're so talented. When the truth is, that person just worked really hard and spent a lot of time on that. 
It reminds me of the uh, the Michael Jordan video uh, or commercial with Nike from years ago, where he he's talking about the number of times that he failed when yeah. when all you when all we're used to seeing is you know just how clutch he is and, and the game winning shots but you know him embracing it's it's the failure that got him to that point where he had confidence himself to actually take that shot over and over again yeah and that's just that's how learning works period no matter what we're talking about like we learn from struggle like struggle is the ingredient to growth and so what happens no matter what we're trying to learn whether we're trying to walk or ride a bike or present or do math, anything, you struggle and it's tough at the start. And from that struggle, our brain learns. Like that's just how it works. And the the sad part is if you listen, if you watch any sports and you listen to what the announcers say, one of the most common things they label athletes is gifted and naturals. Right. Like what a sham. Like when they talk about LeBron, oh, he's so gifted. He's not gifted. Like, yeah, he's like 6'5", 250, and that doesn't hurt. So that does help. But as far as skills are concerned, he has earned those skills. And we need to talk about them and give him credit for that. Like, he has failed and he has struggled and he's developed into the player that he is. Because there's plenty of other 6'5", 250-pound people out there that aren't LeBron. And so to call that natural and to call that gifted, I think, is a sham. And that is a source of these stories where we look around and we see people that are good at things. It's easy for our self-esteem to label them as gifted because essentially that what that says is, well, I'm just not the lucky one. I'm not skilled. I wasn't born with that. And that sort of takes the responsibility off of my shoulders. But in reality, the truth is those people that are good at things are good at things for a reason. And it's because of their process. It's because of the struggle and because of the, the all of the hours and effort that they've put put forth. And we need to, to, number one, give them credit for that. And number two, upgrade the way that we talk about those things. Yes, it's that famous Michelangelo quote, uh, if, if people knew how hard I worked at my craft, you wouldn't think me such a genius, you know, along those lines. Right. Um, right. And now for you, Trevor, how, you know, what has your path looked like that, uh, that brought you to, to wanting to do this work? What was your personal experience that uh, sort of lit this fire for you? I think the one uh, it's been a few things but i would say like the cornerstone like the one big event that sent me down this path and i didn't know it at the time um it was like my life dream to play basketball at duke um like since third grade i was just obsessed with that goal and i spent a lot of time practicing basketball to get good at that goal and i, I was from a super small town in wyoming um, I got to be one of the best players in the state. Like I, I got good at basketball. I took the ACT test like five times to get a high enough score to get into Duke. Um, but long story short, I got in and I actually tried out for the team. I tried out to be a walk-on. A um, hundred people tried out for the two spots and I made the final four. And so I got to be on the team for preseason and it was seriously incredible. Like in, I was in tears before every practice. I was just <laughs> so happy. Like it was unreal. I can't even put words around it. Um, after about a month of preseason, they had to cut, cut the, the team down to two. And I ended up being the last guy cut. So I tell people it was like Rudy without the happy ending. Uh, and that sucked, to be honest with you. Like that was a miserable experience for me. And at the time, I thought that might be the worst thing that could ever happen. And it 
sent me into a major tailspin and I struggled a lot with that event. But looking back, I see like that was probably one of the best things to ever happen to me because it it forced me number one out of my comfort zone where I had to learn about more about the world and uh, that there was more to the world than just sports. But the other thing it did is it planted a seed of this question of like what could I have done better? Like I thought that I did it right. I thought that I did everything that I could do, and so the question that was kind of implanted in my head was what could I have done differently and that question and that curiosity set me down this path of of researching this and and trying to understand this stuff and so um I just think it's a good example of one thing that we try to teach a lot and I think it's it it has a lot of parallels with the world of improv is from these big obstacles and struggles we face even the ones where when we're in them we think that nothing could be worse there's always things to learn and grow from those and so we can learn and and develop the skill of appreciating the obstacles and challenges we face uh, because number one that is that again that's how we grow but if you look back on your life like these major uh, events and major struggles and challenges you face, you can always see the value a few years later. And so it's just like an important thing. And I realized for me that was a big failure of mine at the time, but I see how important it was for everything that's going on right now. Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned sort of getting out, getting outside of your comfort zone and how that experience really sort of took you outside of your comfort zone. Um, can you speak a little bit to uh, just how valuable you see that concept um, in, in teaching and, uh, and is, is that idea of getting outside your comfort zone? Like that would be another like just headline for this talk. Like you, me, the people we work with, people in general, are built to learn out of our comfort zone. And so, like, that is just, to me, such an important thing to understand. It's like, if, and we all have comfort zones, and they, again, these come in all shapes and sizes. But if we're just operating in our comfort zone and doing what is easy and doing what we're already good at and doing what is safe and doing what makes us look good, we're not going to grow and develop as much as we could. And so, Learning happens out of our comfort zone, and we have kind of an analogy of that where we teach about the jungle tiger and zoo tiger. And so we put people through this exercise where we contrast the two like lifestyles of a zoo tiger and jungle tiger. And sort of the punchline of that story is what would happen if you put a zoo tiger in the wild? And like everyone would said, well, the zoo tiger has no chance. Why? Because it spent its whole life in a zoo where it was easy and it's safe mm-hmm. and everything was done for it, but it doesn't develop the, the tools to survive in the wild. Well, the truth about the zoo is the zoo is your comfort zone. Like our cage in the zoo is our comfort zone. And when we're there, yeah, it's easy and we look good and it is safe and there's not much struggle, not much challenges, not many mistakes. But if we're just hanging out in the zoo we're not developing any skills we are built to learn and develop in the wild out of our comfort zone and in that zone it is uh, a bit harder it does get ugly there are mistakes there's a lot of struggle but that's where we grow so essentially we're built to learn like a jungle tiger in the wild yeah 
And that's, it's, that's a really, really fascinating um, analogy, a way of looking at it. Uh, I, I think I, I might have been watching the new Mars movie documentary. I can't remember, but they talk about similarly um, uh, for astronauts who are in space without gravity, how quickly the body deteriorates in a, in, in a non-gravity environment because it doesn't have the body doesn't have that resistance, which is constantly forcing it to, you know, mm-hmm. to, to grow and to be strong. Um, totally. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, that, uh, it's that tiger in the zoo where there's just not that constant um, uh, need to, to have to grow, to adapt, to, to fight. Totally. To fight. And, and, and the examples of this are everywhere. So the space, the space example is great. But if you just think about, like, weightlifting Mm -hmm. if i go to the weight room and pick up a set of one pound weights and bang out like 50 sets of curls or whatever i'm not going to get much stronger why what's missing from that struggle yeah (laughs) like without that struggle i'm not going to develop the muscles that i could and so i have to find the weight that makes me struggle and fail on like the 10th or 12th rep that's how we build muscles and that's how our brain is built to learn as well we have to get to that point of struggle and failure and that's where we start to solve new problems and make new connections and we grow and so that's another good concept that we teach is like your brain is like a muscle it learns from struggle and to take it to a personal level again trevor i would love to hear more about um you and two of your friends starting a sushi restaurant <laughs> First of all, very impressive that you know that. <laughs> um, wow. So, if we're talking about important things that happen in your life that send you down a path, that might be the second most important. And that's it, it's a long story, but I guess the bullet points are when I was a senior in college, uh, I was living in an apartment with my two best friends, and two of us tried sushi for the first time in our life. And it was so good. And we were like freaking out about it. And we, for like two weeks straight, we just kept going to this restaurant and eating the sushi. We were obsessed with it. And after two weeks of that, we realized like, wow, sushi is like super expensive. And again, we're like college students at the time. We don't have much money. And we're like, this sucks. Like, this is a delicious food, but it's like super expensive. And so that kind of led us down this path of coming up with an idea the idea was to create sort of the chipotle of sushi yeah where it was high quality ingredients but you could make your own and it was like fast casual and all this um sounds like a great idea (laughs) and so we participated in like the 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 startup challenge at duke okay uh, like a business plan competition. It's like a five month thing. Uh, so we entered into that and that provided a lot of resources and support. And we learned a lot about like the business side and how to develop like an actual thing. And long story short, we ended up winning the whole competition. So we won like, I think it was like $40,000 and a bunch of stuff. And after winning that, we decided, like, yo, let's do this. And so we all called home. I was planning on being a teacher. Sean, one of my friends, was planning on going to med school. And Dan was going to go to Wall Street. And we each called home, again, like towards the end of senior year of college and said, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to go to Denver and start a sushi restaurant. Um, and it was great. It was this incredible experience. Like, the people we met um, – one of my best friends in the world, his name is Philip Yi. He's like the chef that we 
partnered with he's actually out here in la he trained us and we learned so much about like the culture and the food and it was just an incredible learning experience and looking back it was huge for my growth mindset even though i didn't know what growth mindset was at the time and if you talk to sean dan or me and the three of us are each like doing something we love right now. Dan works for Facebook. Sean is the CEO of one of the biggest incubators in San Francisco. But if you talk to each one of us, the the sushi adventure, it taught us all one really important thing, and that is you can do much more than you realize. Like there's no way that the three of us with no restaurant experience, no sushi experience, no any experience should have been able to do what we did, but we did it because maybe we're like naive, maybe we're stupid, maybe whatever, but we went for it and we did something that we in reality had no business doing. And that is kind of that growth mindset, right? Like that was instilled in me from that adventure of like, wait, two years after making this idea, I was making really incredible sushi for people at the table. Like people were paying for me to come to the table and I was making sushi and teaching them about the fish and doing these things and giving people an incredible like dining experience. Like there's no way I should have been able to do that. But because of our process and because of how much we cared and how much we learned and how much we tried, I was able to do that. And so that, again, that's that growth mindset belief of like, wow, I'm so, so much more powerful than I realize. And that was an important event to plant that seed in each one of us. And it's the reason that each one of us is doing what we're doing right now. Well, and we all know that uh, that that uh, sushi has great roots in Wyoming. So, of of course, right. you got into sushi. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, I I was the kid in college that said, "Oh." raw fish is disgusting. I'll never eat sushi. And so I went, that was my experience until my senior year. So I went from that to two years later, like making sushi for people. <laughs> you know, a total, a total sidebar, you know, uh, but you know, I, I listened to that experience about you in college, you know, it's your senior year and this light bulb goes off for you and your friends. And it probably freaked each of your parents out to get this call that, you know, that thing that I was going to do, you know, we're going to, we're going to scratch that for now. But right. man, when I think about, when I think about, you know, the, the value of college and that experience alone, like if every student could have that light bulb experience, you know, to, you know, you think about it, you know, getting you outside of your comfort zone, getting you out, out off of that, that path, that quote unquote path that everyone thinks is just going to be this really sequential linear path of how we're going to find our career and, and find our passion. Yeah. Um, but just to go through that experience alone and, and how that has sort of changed your trajectory, um, I think that's, that's the experience that every student needs to have. I agree. Like, and I know Sean and Dan would say the same thing. Like we learned more from that like year than all four years combined at that school and i'm not saying college is bad i'm saying it's great um but like when you're in something like that like that's jungle tigering because we had there was no (laughs) roadmap and it mattered and like money was on the line and our life was on the line we thought and like that's like we learn more about just life and everything in that two-year adventure than i could ever imagine and that 
again, it was this big leap that we made. Um, and it's just an important concept. Like it was a big jungle tiger moment for us. And again, we didn't know what mindset growth mindset was. We didn't know about the jungle tiger and zoo tiger, but essentially what we did was for two years, we were way out of our comfort zone and it developed a skill set within each of us that is allowing us to do incredible things. So like, that's how I learned to animate and produce these videos because we wanted to make a cool video and we stayed up for two nights straight learning how to use after effects and we made a video about our sushi restaurant but that gave me the skills that gave me this understanding of this world of animation and design that's helping train ugly and it's just kind of fun to see how those dots end up connecting and for those of you who are listening right now, make sure, again, you know, Trevor talks about learning, self-teaching and learning this animation. Um, uh, but, but, but Trevor, you take these, these really uh, powerful and simple concepts and, you know, with, with the editing and the animation and everything, you really, you really bring them to life. So it's really cool to hear how that, again, came out of this totally different experience and how it's, how it's blessing you now. Oh, yeah. And, and so... Like with our videos, it's it's kind of like you said, we like to take these concepts that are important. And what I've found is uh, when you create a like a visual on something and there's music and movement and it's designed well, it actually sticks better. So we don't just do these because they're like fun and cool, but they are fun and cool. But the, the idea is if we can create a video where if someone watches it, that information will stick more than if they read the article. Now we're on to something. And so that's kind of the aim with them. But you're exactly right. It came from this experience where we're just like, huh, it'd be cool if we could make this video. Let's try it again. Growth mindset. Yeah. And again, you know, I, th- I know you and I have spoken offline uh, the, the first time, but again, which also falls in line with, from an improv standpoint, the, there are no mistakes. There are no mistakes yes. concept, yes. which is, you know, just because something that something that I'm trying to accomplish right now might not have the intended outcome I was striving for, but the ex- right. the experience itself, the byproduct or the outcome of the experience, we have no idea of how right. that the, how that might bless us down the road and it, it will bless us but we don't know how it's going to bless us totally and 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 being open to the idea of um perhaps the quote-unquote mistake is actually a gateway to a greater opportunity um, totally. as we know that you know some of the greatest you know technological and innovative breakthroughs ever were the result of you know mistakes mm-hmm for you know something else that was being worked on yes and Um, and the the one thing that i've been really harping on is it's just not making the mistake like just failing and making a mistake doesn't mean you're going to learn it's what you do with that like can i make a mistake and stay on the stage can i fail and stay on the stage and just keep going with it if i do that yes i'm going to learn but if i make a mistake and if i fail and i run back to comfort and back to the zoo I'm not going to learn. So yeah, I made it, but I didn't learn. And so the key point there is in taking it to the world of improv, because I am obsessed with the world of improv. That was another thing that happened my senior year of college. I took an improv class at Duke and I had no idea what it was or what I was getting into, but that was a powerful experience for me. And just that idea of, uh, I say something and maybe it's not the ideal thing, but let's roll with it and build on it 
And in doing that, we're going to learn more, develop more, and create a better thing together. The opposite of that is I say something, oh, that was wrong, and I shut down, and I hide, right. and nothing gets done. Right. And, uh, and, and yeah, it's, 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 it's so true. And it's, you know, the ability to go through the difficult experiences and to take your knocks and to learn from, like you said, it's not just the fact that you're failing. It's, it's the, what did I learn from this? What can I do better next time? Um, yes. And just to have that sort of tucked away uh, in your head, to have that experience it, and on a very relevant, you know, um, uh, standpoint, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, my improv group, the three of us, we were doing a, uh, we were hired to come to a benefit and perform um, at a benefit, and whenever we, you know, whenever we do a theater show, it's kind of you know that's sort of the uh, the zoo tiger. Like we get to control; it's a very safe environment. We're in control. Yeah. Whenever you go out of your your space and you're going to someone else's <laughs> venue, you're going to you know a party or a country club. You don't know what the 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 setup's going to be. Do people even know you're going to be there? Do you have mics? Do you right. have lights? And and yeah. and by the time we went on, you know, people were pretty well um, uh, uh, relaxed, if you will, from <laughs> from the evening, <laughs> loud and relaxed. And uh, our mics weren't working great. And I had this moment of panic. I was standing on on stage, and I'm like, this. Uh, this could be a train wreck. I'm, I'm seeing a train right. wreck. And my, my fight or flight was, I need to get out of here. I need to get out of here now. But right. I'm like, no, totally. you've, you've been through this before. You've been doing this for 17 years. Um, yes. Just connect with your partner and yes and. You can't control everything else, but just connect totally. with your partner and get out there. Yep. And, and but, in the long run, you're going to, that experience can be valuable to you if you allow it to be. Yeah. Period. No matter what, and that sort of mindset of approaching performances, that's helped me so much um, because, like, I am absolutely not the most comfortable with getting in front of people and speaking. In fact, like, I was one of the most shy people ever uh, back in the day, but now that's what I do for a living. And so, uh, I've, and this is just something that I've been using for the past few months that's helped me a lot i used to get really worked up in the outcome before the talk or the workshop mm. where before going out there i was thinking oh man i hope that they like it um or i hope that i do well i hope that i don't forget what i'm saying blah 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 all these like outcome things like basically under the umbrella of i hope i don't screw this up and i hope it goes well like right. two kind of sides of the outcome coin yeah but and what I found is what I've been trying to do now is go into it, not really focusing on the outcomes, but focusing more on the opportunities. And the truth is there's so many opportunities. And so on a selfish standpoint, it's an opportunity for me to get better at what I like. And so if it's hard, that's going to help me get better. If it's a new audience that I've never presented to before, that's an opportunity for me. So there's thousands of opportunities there. And big picture, it's an incredible opportunity to share something that matters. And so when I get my focus off of the outcomes and more on the opportunities, I find that I actually connect, uh, and on a deeper level with my audience, and the, the outcomes are actually better. <laughs> right, and you're sort of you're releasing you're releasing the control of the outcome and focusing on what, right. on, on ultimately what you can control. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so, and, and, 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, Trevor. At what point? Um, at what point did sort of the whole world of, of growth mindset kind of uh, get introduced to you? Uh, it, it must have been four or five years ago, and I was just doing uh, an interview with a. My, one of my mentors now, his name is John Kessel, and he's the director of sport development for USA Volleyball. And this was at the very, very beginning of Train Ugly. And I was talking to him about some motor learning science, about how you design practice and how you develop skill. And at the end of the interview, he goes, you know what, you should check out uh, Mindset. It's a book by this professor from Stanford. Her name's Carol Dweck. You should check it out. And so I went and got the book and read it. And like before I was done with the book, I was freaking out because this stuff, <laughs> it just made so much sense. And it rocked my world where I see these times in my life where my fixed mindset got in the way. And I also identified times in my life where it's like, wow, that was very uh, like growth mindset of me. And it just for some reason, it, it connected a lot of dots for me. And so I just emailed Carol Dweck right off the bat before I was done with the book and sent her like a 10-page email just thanking her. And I asked her if there was any chance that we could like speak and, and Skype together. And crazy enough, she like replied a couple days later and I spent about an hour and a half Skyping with her. And that was like my introduction to this. And from there, it was just like it it hit home personally but it made a lot of sense in like the way that i like look at the world and and look at the things that people do usually you can connect those actions and behaviors back to growth and fixed mindset and so for me it was just like a big moment uh where I, there was a lot of clarity around that and i decided to kind of run with that and understand it and teach it and again we're not just replicating and not just regurgitating like her idea of growth mindset i think growth mindset is an important piece of the learning puzzle but so is vulnerability and so is stoicism and so is understanding contextual interference like all these different worlds and drawing from these sources to create uh, i think a solid message and understanding of learning and yes growth mindset is a big piece of that puzzle for sure and where does train ugly come from two things and i think you'll be able to relate first it was like a domain that was actually available because <laughs> <laughs> um, that's like hard to come by and second it's under the the umbrella of how learning works it's we said it at the start learning and growth come from struggle yeah so learning and getting better is not always pretty you're going to be bad first no matter what you're trying to do and so it's kind of reframing this concept of ugly which is such a negative thing in society, but we're helping to sell people on like, look, to grow and get better, it's gonna be ugly, and that's yeah. a good thing. That's yeah. okay. Like, jump into that and, and embrace that. And so it's just the the name is trying to just reframe the way we look at uh, that word, ugly. And and what is the what's what's the bigger vision you have um, for for the work you're doing, Trevor? To be honest, there isn't one. And there never has been one other than learn stuff that matters and share it as much as we can. And again, like what I get to do, I'm so grateful and thankful for. I essentially get to travel the world and teach people about this. Like I, in a couple of weeks, I get to go to Tokyo. Uh, I get to go to Seattle, like just in December, Tokyo, Seattle, Milwaukee, Denver, Salt Lake. Like those are 
incredible places that I get to go, get to go and I get to teach like some really powerful groups about this stuff and and this stuff matters it's helping people but this was never the plan like a few years ago I didn't sit at a whiteboard and say oh I'm going to be this speaker that travels the world teaching growth mindset the idea was I want to just create a blog and I want to share this stuff and if you would have told me at that time like this is what I would be doing I would say you're crazy and so what I've realized is as far as a vision and a plan, I don't really have one because it's always changing and evolving. And so rather than that, I just focus on my process of what has created the most value in the world and for people. And that is this obsession with learn stuff that matters and share it in a way that people understand it and can run with it. And just committing to that and always doing that no matter what that has led to everything that's happened with Train Ugly. And so regardless of what, how this is evolving and what is happening, I'm just going to stay true to the two things that created the movement. And, uh, and, and what's, the, what's the best way for, for people to, uh, to see your videos, to see your work, is, is just going to the website, trainugly.com? Yeah, if you go to the website and click around, you can, it's pretty easy to find what you're looking for. Um, there's a there's a tab at the top of the website called visual essays, and that's what we call those videos we make. Mm-hmm. And that will take people to like the the entire series of all the videos that we've produced. But yeah, the website's a great place to start. Well, fantastic. Well, Trevor, we're we're almost out of time. I want to be respectful of of your time and your schedule. But uh, this wouldn't be a live yes and uh, interview if we didn't do a little improvisation. Oh yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna do. We'll just do some uh, some some word toss, some word association. So Trevor, whatever whatever word or words I give you, I just want you to go off. You know, um, the first thing that comes to mind with, with whatever okay. I give you. All right. <clears throat> let's do it. All right, here we go. Wyoming. Wind. <laughs> <laughs> really, I wouldn't have known that Wyoming was so windy. Oh man, you don't even know. Really. It is. Do it's we, cold and windy. Do we need to get some uh, some windmills out there for some clean energy? What's going on? Yes, they're working on that. There's plenty of uh, wind energy. It just needs to be tapped into. It's cold and windy there, man. All right. <laughs> Excellent. All right, here we go. Next one. Um, Coach K. Leadership. All right. And with, with, with the short amount of time you had with Coach K, was there, was there one or two things that stood out from you during that time? Yes. Uh He's the best leader that I've ever seen in my life. And the reason I think he's so great is because he cares so much about connecting with his people. So he spends so much time. Yeah, he spends a lot of time on the X's and O's and scouting and understanding the opponent. But the majority of his time is spent understanding his people Mm -hmm. in one-on-one meetings, having these conversations and developing these relationships that allows him to become a better leader for that person. So it's not this cookie-cutter strategy of this is how I lead. It's I want to know my people and understand how to uh, connect with them and how to lead each one as an individual. And so the amount of time he spends on learning about his people blows my mind. And that's why he's such a great leader. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that uh, doesn't surprise me at all. All right, here we go. Next one. Fear. Positive. Mm. It's a good thing. And we're so 
built to resist it, but it can be such an important part of the learning process to understand fear and how it can be a useful tool to guide us uh, to the things that we need to do. And so, of course, there's bad fear, but there's also great fear. And the great fear is the little twinge and the little emotion and that feeling we have in our gut before we're doing something out of our comfort zone. If you're in a jungle tiger moment, you're going to feel fear. And that's a sign that you're out of your comfort zone. So therefore, we can use that fear sort of as a compass of like, yo, this is big. This is jungle tiger time. Let's go. Rather than, oh, my goodness, I feel afraid something must be wrong, which is our default approach yes, to fear. right. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Fill in the blank. The thing that scares me most is? The thing that scares me the most is not doing enough with train ugly i think that it's a, such a powerful platform right now and i want to create as much value not money but value for people as i can and so that keeps me up at night like how can i do more how can i reach more people and share more things with with people and that that is something that like gets me kind of going because i want to use this to do as much good as i can Awesome. And the last one here, last one. Um, the key to brilliant sushi is blank. Good rice. You got to have great rice. It's, 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 you, see, I would have gone with the fish, but it's the rice. It starts with the rice. And that's what Phil taught us. The first way to judge if a sushi restaurant is like high quality is the rice. And you, there's a few things that you can pick up on, but it, if the, the thinking is, if they make really, really good rice, that shows that there's this insane attention to detail. Like, to make good rice, you have to look at, like, the atmospheric pressure. You have to look at humidity. Like, you have mm. to tweak so many things. So if you are creating good rice, it means you really, really care. And if you really, really care, you can assume from there that they probably have high-quality fish and from there on out but the rice is kind of like the teller it's like all right we see what you got and it shows an attention to detail that will carry over in the other parts of a sushi roll so if they get the rice right there's a good chance that they they're they're yeah. uh, sticklers to the detail exactly it's a good tell <laughs> excellent well trevor um thanks so much for your time man oh it was great thank you again we could probably talk for three more hours but uh Hopefully there's some good stuff there for you guys. Um, it was a blast for me, so thank you so much. It was an honor. Well, we'll, we'll just call this part one for now, and yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll do uh, part two, and uh, we'll, we'll just get on the Star Wars train. You know, let's keep on doing new Let's episodes. do it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, thanks so much, Trevor. Uh, yeah, happy travel sure. uh, in December. Have a great day, man. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Jam right about now. So now I tell Will 